Hello and welcome back to What's Happening. I'm your host, Chase Shropshire. A little bit about myself. I'm 22 years old. I'm a United States Marine. I'm living here in beautiful Southern California with my wonderful wife and two dogs. And that is all you guys need to know about me. But let's jump right into the podcast. So for Tell Me Something Good, if you guys are new to the podcast, this is a segment I developed because I noticed in the news nowadays, it's easy to get hung up on the harshness and the cruelness of the world and all of the negative things that seem to perpetuate in the news nowadays. So I just came up with this segment so I can push forth positivity, whether it's just tips, tools, and tricks that will benefit you guys in the long run, or if it's just good stories that have a upbeat kind of vibe and feeling to them. So first, Wells Fargo is going to donate $1 billion to affordable nonprofits and private entities that create positive outcomes in in housing and homelessness across America. So basically, last year, Wells Fargo donated approximately $444 million to more than 11,000 nonprofits that were combating homelessness and creating more housing opportunities for individuals. I believe those were for like low income families. And they've already this year pledged $9 million in grants to more than 60 nonprofits. So it's incredible to see that, you know, a really large company is still doing what they can year to year just to help out the little guy, to help out those that are in need. And I just think it's really, really inspiring to see that even though this company has already done so much, they're continuing to improve and pledge more and more. Uh, I think that's something that a lot more companies should be doing, especially considering all the money that pours into banks and other companies. So I think, you know, just good on Wells Fargo. And I think that's incredible. And then next, we have some very good news for Alzheimer's. So there's the first of its kind Alzheimer's drug that's pending FDA approval after the patients during the uh, experimental trials experienced some significant cognitive improvement. So in a nutshell, there's no currently on the market, there's no drug treatments that can slow the progression of Alzheimer's disease. And this is set to be the first if they can really get the ball rolling with it. Now, the drug is called aducanumab, and it's a freaking mouthful. If you want to look it up, it's A-D-U-C-A-N-U-M-A-B. And a new analysis has shown that this drug reduced clinical decline in patients with early Alzheimer's disease. So now we know that there's no cure at this point for Alzheimer's, but it looks like this drug could potentially be what's able to slow down if we're able to identify early onset of Alzheimer's, the symptoms and everything. Um, There's this pharmaceutical company that plans to submit a licensing application for the drug in early 2020. And the just a little bit of a background on this, patients who received this drug experienced significant benefits measured uh, of cognition and functions such as memory, orientation, and language. And patients also experienced benefits on activities of daily living, just including anything from conducting personal finances to performing household chores such as cleaning, shopping, doing laundry, things of that nature. So really what we're seeing here is hopefully a step in the right direction for maybe not finding a cure for Alzheimer's, but finding medications that are more aggressive in preventing Alzheimer's from 
claiming any more victims. What I mean by that is it's regardless of degenerative um, like memory loss and Alzheimer's is clearly a very, very prominent and aggressive disease that affects hundreds upon thousands, if not millions of people. So one, now that we're seeing this drug hopefully being uh, developed, that if it, it does come to fruition, hopefully puts the pressure on other companies or at least sparks the interest because at the end of the day, in terms of really any sort of product, the more competitive the marketplace, the better for the consumer. So really the people who are the ones who succeed and the ones who benefit from this is going to be those patients. So I think that this is a good step in the right direction. Now we're going to roll into our topic for today. So we are going to be covering religion. Specifically right now, we are going to be covering baptism because today I did get baptized. And yes, I am a 22-year-old man who had not been baptized. But I'll tell you what, I think in my opinion, it really helped me understand and appreciate more the process of baptism and just what what kind of effect that would have on me. Because obviously, if you're an infant, you have no sort of cognitive awareness of what the heck is going on. And even when you're little, you might not truly understand the impact of what this event will mean for you. So before we get into some of my opinions and just some of the other things about baptism, first we have to see what does the Bible say about baptism? And oh my goodness, the Bible says a lot. Spoiler alert, Bible says a lot about baptism. But one of the things that I picked up from the Bible was from 1 Peter 3.21, which says, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of the dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And just so you guys are aware, I do study and read from the New Standard Version so for anyone else who has different versions, it might not be the exact same, obviously, but I think it's interesting because a little background, Peter's essentially writing these letters in First and Second Peter um, to these Christians who are, or I'm sorry, uh, to these Jewish people who are um, suffering, and his letter outlines some things that they should and should not do, not necessarily commandments, but they are the shoulds and should nots, and it's interesting because he compares the water that saved Noah via the ark to that of the water that people must be baptized in. So we kind of drew this parallel between the story of Noah's ark and how obviously Noah and his family were deemed the righteous people on earth and they were saved from the flood via the ark that Noah built and they took one, you know, everything with the animals. So it is interesting because this is with the comment of the, the removal of dirt from the body, right? Like that it's not being removed, but rather it's really a good conscience from God that you're receiving um, by saying, yes, I, I do acknowledge that Jesus rose from the dead, died for my sins. So we're kind of left with this idea that through this symbolic means, water, or through God, we may achieve ultimate salvation. And I thought that was really... I never really thought of it that way, right? Because God used a flood to bring about the destruction of mankind. 
but he brought us to our ultimate salvation with the righteousness of Noah and his family. And then subsequently for baptism, it's the same kind of idea, but it's through the identification and the belief that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He died for our sins on the cross, and now we are basically telling God that we are ready. We're ready for the next step in our Christian lives. And I think that's just incredibly powerful. And the salvation is not because of the absence of wrongdoing. Again, the removal or the lack thereof of this dirt, but rather it's a clear conscience towards God. So your sin is not just wiped away scot-free. It might be metaphorically, but you still clearly sinned. And I was looking into this idea of repentance and repent literally means to rethink. And when you look at it through that lens, it it's a little bit different because now instead of repentance as in praying the sin away, it's really just rethinking all of that, like rethinking the decisions, rethinking your relationship with God. So yes, I was finally baptized today at the age of 22. And again, like I stated initially, I think that gave me a greater level of understanding and appreciation. And it was really, really powerful and incredible. I feel like I'm doing disservice to the moment and to the memory just by talking about it because it's almost indescribable, just the feeling. And I have my own sorts of beliefs and my own sorts of experiences with, let's say, my grandmother and other family members who are with us and some who are not. So, oh man, I, I just, it's it's incredible. And obviously with baptism, the emphasis is on the, this obedience, right? The obedience to God, because Jesus was the one who said for all of the disciples and the followers of, of Jesus and God that they must be baptized. And there was an emphasis put on this because from that level of repentance, that's when true fellowship can really be had with God, right? Because before that point, if you don't, it's different to have this kind of mental, okay, yeah, I accept Jesus into my life. He died on the cross for my sins. I understand that he was born and brought on earth without sin just to take our sins. Cool, get that, awesome. But you haven't taken that that leap that step to really show that you are are willing to repent and you're willing to actually take God into your heart and reflect on yourself, but also be there saying that, hey, Jesus, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this thing. And an interesting analogy when I was researching for this um, that I saw was something called kind of this wedding ring analogy. And basically, the idea is, hey, this physical ring, like that doesn't make you married. You don't have to wear a ring, whatever your belief system is. But rather, it's the commitment made between those individuals. And the ring is an outward reflection of an inward belief. And it's really similar to what baptism is. Baptism is just that. It's It's an outward reflection of an inward belief. And a good way to look at this is, if you confess your love and belief in Jesus to the world, then Jesus is essentially going up to bat for you when he's talking to God, when it's your time to cross over. 
And that was what he spoke to. I don't have the verse here in front of me, but he essentially stated that for those who are willing to go um, in front of people to confirm essentially their commitment to God and to be baptized in front of everybody, then Jesus himself will confess on your behalf to God. But if you denounce God or if you are not faithful to the world, if you don't practice baptism, then Jesus will in in due fashion do the same on your behalf to God. So yes, my my experience was incredible and otherworldly. It was as though there was this weight and burden of just all of my sins. I thought about every single mistake and every single sinful thought that I had and every feeling in my heart that was wrong or against what God would want me to do. I felt the weight of all of that and oh my gosh, it was so incredibly heavy, but I didn't feel that weight because I was meant to feel just guilty for the rest of my life. I was meant to feel that and reflect on that. And then that those feelings were expelled from my body, banished from my body for good. And in its place was his love, was his understanding, was his feeling of grace. And oh, it was, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It's funny because I sat down and in my church. It was kind of like almost my my mom kind of laughed a, a horse trough, a really big one, and I sat down in it. And the pastor told me just lay back. I'll do the rest. So I, I laid back and everything, and I didn't end up sucking in a bit of water because I didn't lay down enough at first. Well, initially I thought that's what had me catch my breath. That's why I couldn't breathe. But that wasn't the case at all. I wasn't able to breathe. I wasn't able to because all of that burden and sins, like the feeling that I had for it, I prayed up until that point. And even when I was in the actual trough itself, before I went under, I was feeling it. My heart was trying to, to reach out to God. And I went through it all. I combed through every little piece, and then I felt all of the weight of it leave my body, and it was replaced by something so much greater, so much heavier, like more dense. It was, it's something that I've never experienced before. And if you're not a religious person, I would, I would almost implore you, just, I don't know, just, just try to read a little bit of your Bible, like talk to the person who is the most religiously crazed, attend church a little bit, like see what it's all about and see if you can get to that moment of where you can actually accept Jesus into your life. And then the the baptism part of it, I mean, if you weren't already there, which you should be, but if you weren't, that has got to be what pushes you over because it's an incredible experience. So after... I got baptized. I came to this this question. It just kind of popped up. And baptism, I think, is one of the answers to this question. But it's why is religion important? Why is it important? You have atheists. You have people who don't disbelieve in God, but they just don't really, they can't disprove it. 
They just don't believe in it. There's all kinds of different beliefs. There's all different kinds of quote-unquote gods that other cultures worship. And you can have your own opinion on that. I know I have my own opinion on that. But overall, why is religion important? Well, the first thing is religion can give a sense of hope when no hope can be found. Let's say in the example of a POW, a prisoner of war, during Vietnam, World War II, take your pick, any war, and you're just being tortured and beaten, and it's it's not months, it's years at this point, and you're just being beaten down, and they're trying to break you. At that point, you don't have your family. You don't have your brothers that are to the left and right of you normally. You don't have your country. For all anyone else knows, you're dead. And at that point, who, who who do you have? What do you have? You know, if there's no hope, what what can you believe in? You can fall back on your belief in God. You can fall back on the Ten Commandments. You can fall back on all of these different principles and ideas that religion teaches you. Whatever religion you are, you can fall back on that, and you can find that nugget in all the crap. You can find that little nugget. That might be what brings you to salvation. That might push you right over the top of that hill that you're struggling to climb by yourself. And secondly, there's something incredibly liberating about this idea that if God's for you, who can be against you? I mean, that's such a common, there's buzz, buzzwords and phrases in religion just as much as there is anywhere else. But think about that idea. If God is for you, then who can be against you? You know, and all these things, you kind of combine it and compound them. And it's just, it. I, I think it's an overwhelming force that really can be used for, for good. And then many people in their lives, and I know I've been through this. I think everyone has. They, they wonder, what's my purpose? Like, what is my meaning in this life? And I think I found mine. Another topic for another day. But a higher calling can, in some instances, give people a sense of purpose. If you have somebody who's serving a higher power now, granted, I'm well aware that this isn't always a positive thing. But that's people. That's by choice. You can make that a positive thing. You can believe in something greater than yourself. It's like in sports. There's no individuality. There shouldn't be. You should believe in something greater. The promises of a championship, the camaraderie, the group, that is what you should believe in. That's what your purpose is. That's your goal and your achievements. That That's it. So in the same exact way, a higher calling from God is that. But religion doesn't just give you hope, give you meaning and purpose and some free liberating kind of feeling it also provides a moral and ethical framework for how to live a good life and i don't think that can even be disputed or denied if you want to know how to be a good human read the bible genuinely if you want to know how to be read the commands the commandments the direction that god and jesus lay out it's pretty black and white for the most part on 
everything. You follow that to a T or as close to a freaking T as possible. And you won't fail. You'll live a good life. You'll be a good husband. You'll be a good wife, mother, daughter, son. All that in a bag of chips. And look, that's that's just something that carries over from everything that we believe in in terms of morals and ethics coming from you know the bible and coming from god that's that's all how that kind of ties together and wraps up in a with a pretty little bow is we're given the instruction manual for how to be good people and then finally and this one I'll fight it tooth and nail religion teaches the true definition of love how does it do this is it between individuals in the bible no it's not it's between the relationship of god and his people his grace and his judgment and let me explain and there's a lot of confusion sometimes with people whether it's atheists or believers who are like well god seems a lot more judgmental in one half of the bible than he does in the other and that's a whole different <laughs> topic for another day but my point being is God loved hard, but he also judged hard, but fair. And love is not a one-way street. Love is not without judgment. For you can't truly love somebody if you're not trying to make them a better person or if you're not punishing them for what they've done wrong. And, that, and that's true love. Anything that might have seemed harsh in the Bible It's God showing his true love for his people. There was true wickedness and true evil back in those times. And shoot, obviously we still see it today. Evil will never die. We made sure of that. But at the end of the day, when we look at the Bible, we can learn how to love one another, how to love each other, not just from what God tells us in terms of loving thy neighbor, in terms of everything else, but you can directly correlate his relationship with us and flip it and how our relationship should be with him and each other. Because in the Bible, it's very clear that God feels, I mean, it's described kind of like human emotion. He's angry. He sees what he creates, and he sees it's good. He is embarrassed, or he feels a certain way whenever there's wickedness in the world. There's, there is feeling there. And that love is true and pure, the most pure form. He sent his only son on earth to die for us, for his creation, for his children. That's the greatest form of love. That's the greatest sacrifice. So with all that being said, with the topic of religion, with how it benefits us, with, in my opinion, I think that it's a huge part of at least our society. Obviously, the founding fathers believed that as well when they were writing the Constitution. So to wrap all this up nicely, I just think that with religion, and I'm speaking primarily from, obviously, a Christian background, but I think that religion is most definitely a fundamental human necessity. I think that it's something that everyone can relate to. I think that it's a need and not a want. But oftentimes, 
it appears to be a want rather than a need. Okay, guys, that'll do it for today's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Now, if you guys have any questions or ideas for more podcasts, I've got quite a few different topics I want to go through, but I'm always interested to hear your guys' feedback. So make sure you leave a comment on our What's Happening podcast Instagram page. You can send us direct messages and respond to every single one of them. So if you guys want to see specific things on the podcast, different topics or just segments, changes, send them our way and we will definitely look into that for you guys because all in all, I mean, we're trying to produce the best quality content, but we're also trying to produce the best, you know, relevant content for our audience and whatever you guys want to see is what we will provide you. All right. See you in the next one, guys.